Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secrets of Marketers podcast, the only podcast you can rely on to give you real, raw, unfiltered marketing advice covering the latest tips, tricks, and tools that millionaire marketers use to make money online. I am your host, Jeremy Blossom. Sit back, relax, and let's start discovering the true secrets of marketers. Hey, Roland. Hey, what's going on? Not much. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So where where are you at? Right I am in San Diego, California. Oh, okay. So we're actually pretty close. I'm here in Laguna Beach. Yeah. You are uh, only moments away. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for um, joining me on the show. I know that you are going a million miles an hour. Um, this is the very first time I've actually got to meet you face to face ish, uh, e meet you, but, um, I have seen you everywhere this year. Um, you have, (laughs) I have been, uh, really, really excited to have you on because you're really about helping businesses through change. And I can't really think of any time I'm 37 years old. I can't think of a, a better time for someone like you to come in and help businesses because boy, oh boy, is there change happening right now. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, and um, what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, um, my like background or kind of what I'm doing now or what, sure, what, yeah, what's what your you little background and then how is that helping what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, so it's, it kind of ties together in that I've, I've had a chance to go through five of these. This is my fifth, uh, economic downturn challenge change time. And, um, so I started out in real estate. I got my real estate license when I was 18 and my insurance license when I was 19, my securities license when I was 20, um, then got a degree in accounting and practiced law. So I had a lot of, uh, of education and a lot of, um, business experience that started early with real estate and then eventually transitioned into buying and selling businesses. And so, um, you know, there were downturns in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s with the dot-com bust um, in the great recession that we call 2007, 8, 2009 here in the United States, and then now. And each of those times, there were tremendous opportunities to do things. You know, there were opportunities to reorganize. There were opportunities to um, to bundle up real estate that was really underpriced, to buy companies that were underpriced and overleveraged. So, um, so I've seen this kind of thing a lot. And, um, and each time it can be devastating or, uh, exhilarating depending on your approach, your openness and, you know, and obviously what you're invested in. So you think, look at a guy like Richard Branson, who was heavily invested in hotels and airlines and just bought three giant, you know, billion dollar, uh, cruise ships. And then it's like, why, who saw that coming? Right. You know, when everybody's like, well, Bill Gates saw it coming, you know, but, (laughs) but, um, it really is interesting to to see how people pivot. And so I love watching that. And in businesses, like in the businesses I'm invested in currently, we have um, one of the largest real estate brokerages or one of the fastest growing real estate brokerages in the country. And um, we've got a like a thousand brokers that work for us, a thousand agents that work for us. And when this first hit, it was like everything stopped. But yeah. then we pivoted, pivoted. And you know, now last month we had our best month ever. And, uh, one of the restaurants I'm invested in when everything closed, we had to close the doors on all of our restaurants. And, um, 
then we pivoted a couple of times and uh, we had one of our best months ever last month. So it's, it's interesting to see that it's really just about finding the groove to fall into that meets the challenge that is currently facing you. And there's always a groove. It might not be obvious. Um, like the restaurant, we pivoted into um, selling our stuff first. It was like, you know, you can do takeout orders, but kind of everybody was doing that. That was the easy one. But the harder pivots were really leaning into our, um, uh, the things that we were selling. It's an, like an acai bowl kind of restaurant. And so we sold uh, smoothies. So we went on QVC and, um, you know, my business partner in that Jeff Fenster, super brilliant guy, went on QVC and uh, started selling the heck out of all of our smoothie recipes, not just the recipes, but the actual stuff. So like uh -huh. that, that's a different kind of thinking than sure. let's do takeout, right? Or let's do wholesale sales of our grocery type stuff. So that's extremely it's, it's been creative. fun to watch. Um, where, where do you think that comes from for you specifically, because that's a gift. Not, not all business owners are looking at their restaurant and could think to do that. Where does that come from? Yeah. And I can't take credit for that one. That was actually Jeff, but, um, but generally like the people that, that I find myself in business with are similar thinkers. And so it, it, uh, it really, to me just comes from creativity. I think you have to, to really make a study of how can I be creative and how can I be innovative to, be able to apply that to business or, or, or really anything, but it's like some people, I guess, just get it naturally. But I think that if you nurture it and develop it, if like, if you go out of your way to say, how can I think differently, yeah. then, um, then it, it makes a big difference. It makes a big yeah. difference. And it's, it becomes an extremely big competitive advantage, I think too. Um, right now we, we are seeing, uh, I think the most polarizing, you know, almost a tale of two cities, if you will, from a from a story perspective with business owners, you've got a big tranche of business owners who are like, help me, help me, help me. Other huge business owners are like, I'm killing it. This is like the gravy train is here, depending on which side of the fence you're on. Mm -hmm. You are seeing opportunity left and right. And you really are helping people find businesses, acquire businesses and sell businesses in this environment. Right. Mm -hmm. That's yes. what you've been doing. Can you talk more about how you're helping people do that and what you're seeing in 2020 during COVID uh, from a business opportunity? Yeah. Uh, so, so I've been doing this for a long time now. And I, um, a couple of years ago, decided that I wanted to um, increase deal flow and that the easiest way to do that was to just share with other people some of the things that I've done and the way that I do them. Cause I do things a little differently than, than the average bear. And, um, so I started, I started teaching a class called Legs, Leverage, Exit, Grow, and Scale, which was designed to appeal to entrepreneurs that already had successful businesses. How could they find the leverage in the business? How could they get ready to sell, to exit? Because I, I've never seen a way to build wealth faster than, um, than being able to get multiples of your annual income or profit uh, when you sell a business. And, um, and then also how to grow fast. You know, we've, I've had uh, a lot of success with that in, in a lot of different businesses and industries. And so basically just going through how to do that, um, with small groups and, um, that led to a pivot for me in that business. I was just doing those, uh, uh, you know, here in the United States and in Europe. And, um, I had small groups, 15 to 25 people that I would do that with. And then that was designed to help, you know, help them see all the different ways that they could acquire businesses, particularly with no money out of pocket. 
and uh, and grow the existing businesses that they had. And then a lot of those people brought me into their business. That's my evil plan. Is uh, <laughs> you know they they would bring me into their business, and then I'd end up with a with an ownership interest and kind of help them go. So I was about to deliver one of those in San Diego, and uh, at, right in the middle of March. And then California said no, nobody gets to you know to do events anymore. And, um, we're shutting everything down. And so I had to, I had to think of a pivot for that as well. And so I, a couple of friends of mine, uh, Pete Vargas and Pedro Adeo said they were having a lot of luck doing these things called challenges. And so, um, I had, uh, one of my other business partners, Ryan Dice was speaking at Grant Cardone's 10 X event in Las Vegas, like the week before everything shut down. And so I had flown out there to do some meetings with him and the folks from Infusionsoft and keep and um, Pete and Pedro happened to be there in town. Pete was speaking as well. And, uh, and I just said, I always, one of my things that I do whenever I travel is I'll get a suite that has um, a hospitality area to it. So usually it's a board table and I'll immediately ask them to send a whiteboard up and markers and a flip chart. And maybe it just sits there empty the whole time, but very right. often there's an opportunity to meet with somebody and, you know, I'll, I'll invite them over and we'll brainstorm and I'll either help them or vice versa. And so Pete, Pete said, you know, I've got this guy, Pedro, and we, you know, he wants to join your mastermind and we've got all this cool stuff we've been doing with challenges. And I said, well, why don't you come over and break it down for us? Because I've got my partner from digital marketer here. And, you know, I think they should do a challenge. Now I had no intention. This was before, you know, I knew everything was going to be shut down. I had no intention of doing it myself. So I'm kind of sitting over on the couch, half, paying attention, half listening and Ryan and uh, Pedro and Pete are breaking this, this thing down. And um, then we go, go our separate ways. I'm sitting at, in the hotel Sunday night before the event is supposed to start. They say that night, no more events. So uh, uh, I called my uh, head of marketing who I had just, just hired interestingly and lived in Vegas at the time. So he had come to that meeting too. He was in the process of moving to Austin and um I said, I said, we can't do this. So let's, I'd like to do one of these challenges. You know, I wouldn't, you know, it looked relatively straightforward. You know, I wasn't like deep diving on it, but um, he said, okay, well, when do you want to do it? And I said, well, today's Monday, let's do it Thursday. And he's just like, <laughs> Thursday. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's just go. And um, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And so uh, that was my pivot. And we're just about to start our sixth one of those right now. Um, we've done, uh, we've put about 15,000 people, um, wow. onto our list since wow. then. Um, I spent the very first one, I spent, uh, $9,700 in ad spend and we generated about $860,000 in sales. Wow. And, um, and so what's, what, what's also been cool is, um, is like taking an offer from, and, and I hope this isn't too off point. Um, oh, no, this is question. great. Please. Yeah. Um, but, but what's been interesting was like, you know, I knew you don't get excited about that. I mean, you get excited and you're grateful. That's wonderful. But the question is, how do you do to cold media? And so that right. offer, you know, that first offer is always going to be met with your warmest, most friendly audience. Right. Uh, and it was. And then the second one, we did an, about another 850, 860 on, I think we spent $14,000 and um, the following month. And then I, that was supported by Digital Marketer. Now, I'm not really part of Digital Marketer's face to the community, even though I'm an owner. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a one step removed, but we did about the same. But after that, it was like, we're kind of through all of the people we know, and we're going straight out to cold media. 
And so it, uh, since then, every month it's been um, between about 420,000 and 550,000. Um, and, and if you think about that, like I wouldn't have done that had that not happened, had the, the, the world not shut down. So like to me, the mindset of saying this isn't a tragedy, this is an opportunity, this isn't a, a threat um, or it is a threat, but it's a threat that, that will lead to an opportunity. To me, that's the mindset that you approach all of this stuff with, all of the change that comes your way. So you can be excited about it instead of fearful of it, which allows you to move forward instead of freeze, right? Yeah. And so doing that and then saying, okay, well, this is obviously something that's worked and, and you know, how do we, how do we scale? And then going out and saying, okay, talking to everybody, I know what's working best for you. Well, mini webinars are working. What's a mini webinar? It's less, it's 10 minutes and it does this and it starts with the end and okay, cool, let's do that. And mini classes are doing well. And so now we've got quiz funnels and mini classes and mini webinars and all of these different uh, challenges that lead into um, this offer. And it's a, it's a continual, you know, call it four fifty five hundred thousand $500,000 a month thing for us at almost a hundred percent profit. It might cost us, um, that's well, now we're spending quite a bit on advertising. So it might, we might spend 150 grand to make 500, right? So yeah. we're making 350 in profit. So if you think about that, let's round that down and say, well, that's 350 would be what? 4.2 million in profit, extra profit for a 12 month period. Now you say, okay, well, that, that 4.2 million comes at a multiple. And so if we're looking at a private equity sale, you're probably looking at a 12 to 13 times uh, multiple on the business. So we've added just through that one thing to that business, 4.2, and let's just multiply it by 10. That's a $42 million increase in valuation that happened just because of COVID, right? Sure. And just because of saying, what can we do to pivot into this and lean into the opportunity as opposed to move away from it and freeze? And I think that that attitude is the most important thing when you're facing challenge is to see it as truly a, an opportunity wrapped in a threat. And as long as you'll open the wrapper, you can definitely get to the good stuff that's inside. You've got a reputation of being brilliant and I'm seeing firsthand why that reputation precedes you. You, you have a really great way of thinking about something. I've owned my business for seven years and I wish on day one, when I opened up the doors here at StrikePoint, that I did the equation that you just did effortlessly right there. You said, if I can get this gross profit uh, or this profit on my business, and it's going to be this annualized, what is going to be my multiple on the type of business that I have? Um, and then if I can grow it from here to here to here, what is that going to do to my multiple? What's that going to do to my valuation? And you instantly, as you were breaking down your business, put the end in mind. You put the end first and saying, okay, one of the things I could do with my business is sell it. You said, and I completely agree with you, that selling a business is one of the fastest ways, probably the fastest way of, of, of getting real personal wealth. Mm -hmm. uh, you meet a lot of people and they have generational wealth, right? Yeah. Um, I used to be a financial advisor as well. I have my securities licenses. And so, yeah, some of my clients had asked them, you know, wh where'd the money come from? Oh, my father, my grandfather, someone started this or that and they sold it. And, you know, so it was all business, business, business. But right. the fact that, you know, I don't want my, everyone who's listening right here, if, in, and most of our audience owns businesses, um, I want you to hear how he did that and how he was approaching his business. 
first of all, you have to understand how your business trades, right? So what does it trade? What's the book value? And how do you increase that book value? As you're thinking about that, it'll start to help you make these strategic decisions and tactical decisions today because you're thinking about that, that tomorrow. I just love that you just went there instantly and said, okay, what am I going to do to my, my overall profitability of my company? And that's why you're so successful and you've been able to leverage all of these examples of success into better deals, bigger opportunities, and you're leveraging the uh, the power of proximity. You're around some of the, I mean, you just rattled off Ryan Dice is one of, if not arguably the, one of the best digital marketers of all time. Um, and you get to hear new groundbreaking ideas and then you get to implement them yourself and reap the benefits of that, which is pretty spectacular. Yeah, that, um, that network is is really critical. I, I, I think about that all the time. It's is the people, there's a lot of people that, um, that having having access to what is working from the the more successful people in whatever areas you're working in to me is really really critical because they'll think of lots of things that you don't and um and I've got you know I've got wonderful business partners and I try to look for partners who are good at things that I'm not or who are better at things because most you know when you get to a certain level of business I think most business people are good at almost everything like they know they know a little bit about everything right one of my friend says he's an ocean of knowledge an inch deep. And I'm like, I like that because that's, <laughs> that's really helpful because then at least, you know, the little bit about the areas that you're, you know, that you can at least help find the, the people that you need. Right. And so, um, having those partners is, is really critical. And I think about, you know, there's a, a text group of, um, of guys that, um, that we text back and forth and we don't really talk about business, um, it's just stupid stuff, kind of like golf, you know, golf course talk. Right. right? And, um, but I've got, you know, like Brendan Burchard and Frank Kern and Joe Polish and all those guys are in it. And, um, and Dean Graciosi and they're, um, they're really smart marketers. And so it's interesting to have those resources to when you're, you know, when you do want to ask something, Ask yeah. it in the text group because you don't talk about that in there, but you do have access to them individually to say, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this and they'll do the same. And, and, and I watch it like, you know, to me, one of the Frank is one of the better examples of that because he'll just absorb everything. And when he sees somebody doing something, you know, he'll immediately implement it. And I know if I'm, if I found something that's cool, if I share that with him, he's going to do it immediately. And I watched um, Jay Abraham and John Asaroff and uh, Frank Kern um, all do challenges after I had, you know, found kind of found that out and I'm sharing that with everybody and then you get to help them and then they help you. And it's, it's just, it's a really good virtuous cycle. Yeah. And you also hit on another important point too, about mass implementation. Um, I was reading a really good, interesting article on fast company about Amazon's values, business values and speed. Uh, now you think about Amazon, they're a, you know, I mean, huge, huge company uh, will definitely go down in the hall of fame in America of some of the greatest businesses ever built is Amazon. And literally the very first thing they discuss is speed. And you implemented it. And I, again, for everybody who's listening here, okay, Roland can do anything he wants with his time. He can go and do anything he wants. And yet he heard something on a Sunday, told his marketing CMO to make sure we're implementing this on Thursday, okay? So we're talking five days here of hearing something and implementing something. And you're saying that Frank Kern does the same thing. How much do you see A players 
acting like that and have bringing that kind of speed to their business. I mean, um, just it's everybody, everybody that is successful is, is doing that, that everybody that I know, I know there are people that, uh, that I'm sure have some sort of magical, uh, ability to be successful just cause they're lucky. But, um, but you know, the good thing about being around for as long as I've been around in businesses that just gen- generally doesn't last. You can only be lucky so long. And, um, and so the people that, that are really looking and implementing and thinking about their businesses do the best. And, um, and, you know, a great example, like John for the, um, uh, for the challenge that he did, he recorded 30 ads in advance that were all different, um, takes on things. And, uh, and Dean does the same thing. He said, you know, he said, I would do 25 ads a day. Yeah. He said, and you don't see them. You people only see, you know, three or four of them. That's because you only see the ones that we're scaling out, but you don't see the ones that are, you know, that are not, (laughs) and, and, but, but that's it, right. You, you know, the overnight success that's, that takes 10 years, that's what everybody sees. Yeah, no doubt. And they also, they don't see the detail that goes into stuff. So the numerous number of ad creation means that they're trying to get down to slight variance uh, ideas that they're trying to see if it sticks or not. Uh, yeah. And the best part is like, one of the things I tell people all the time about being a marketer, especially my clients who come on board, I say, I'll never spend your money dumber than the first time I spend your money. Why? Because right. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what people are going to buy. I have a good idea and I've got proven tactics and strategies and things like that. But, you know, frankly, I've never sold XYZ before. So we're going to go and learn this together. But I promise you, I won't spend it dumber than the first time I'm doing it because we're iterating and we're learning. One of the things I thought uh, was really clever, one of these really brilliant marketers broke down their funnel uh, for us. And what he did was super clever. Again, I'm fascinated by people who've got substantial amount of wealth, taking the time to get super, super specific and detailed. Mm -hmm. This is what this guy did. On his webinar registration page, um, I can't believe, and he literally did this. uh, And then he he got smart and did uh, a second variant of this. But he, um, he recorded, hey, everybody, today is Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to, and he recorded one for every single day of the year. Mm-hmm. And he had his team build a script that would basically replace the video at midnight Eastern time. So everybody would come to it would be like, wow, he, how did he do that? Right. I'm, I'm here right now. I'm going to, you know, and so he did all, of, he made 360, that was a small, like 60 second little, sure. but then the, I said that he did a little bit smarter. It was just as effective. He did, hey, everybody, today's Wednesday. And then he did, you know, Thursday, Friday, he did for seven of them. Um, right. <laughs> but, but it was that detail that he got. And it was a huge reason. No one was doing that. No one yeah. would sit there and think to go and make 365 of them. So from a user standpoint, it really helped with the conversion of that page. Yeah, for sure. Right. So specifically with what you're looking at now, um, for people who are at home, let's talk about businesses. Do you, where do you see a lot of opportunity uh, in the marketplace? And then if you want, you can pivot into the marketing. Where do you see the biggest opportunity from a marketing? It could be strategy or tactic. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the the first thing I would say is like, like there's, a, there's a difference between strategy and tactics, right? Strategies usually last longer. Tactics are, are cool and they're helpful, um, but the big strategies seem to move the needle the best. So I, I like to think more... Uh, strategically, if I can, because I know that whatever I'm doing strategically will last a lot longer than what I'm doing tactically. And then if I hear something cool tactically, you know, like, like the thing that you mentioned with the, with that guy, um, then we'll try it. 
uh, and and I think those are interesting. But I really like when I'm thinking about business, I want to think about what are the the big long term things that I can keep going at, um, you know, to get a true competitive advantage. And one of the biggest, I think, in terms of um, of growing that's available right now is the thing that I'm teaching. Right? It's it's the ability to right now. If you look historically through all of the 17 downturns that we've had in the United States economy over the last hundred years, um, the multiples that businesses sell at have gone down and profits have gone down. So now some businesses are up, right? Lots of businesses that, that I know that, you know, that are part of, you know, the people that you and I know are doing really, really well. Um, but, but many, many aren't. And so we know that multiples are going to go down because, the people that have the money get scared. And so they're willing to pay, you know, they want less risks. How do you get less risk? You, you have a lower multiple. And um, so those lower multiples combined with lower profits mean that there's a significant decrease in the cost to acquire assets and businesses right now in this kind of environment. And given that to me, adding that we know that one of the fastest ways to grow a business is that like, if you want to double your business overnight, go find an equal business and yep. just acquire it. Right. So knowing that we can acquire those kinds of things right now at historically low prices makes it very, very appealing. And then if you layer on top of that, that after every downturn, it is only every single time gone up and that our ultimate, that our ultimate end is to exit every business that we have um, I've owned businesses for decades, but um, the truth is that if I can sell them, I'm going to sell them because if I can make eight or 10 or 12 times, you know, annual profit, I'll just go buy another business and then sell that one. Right. Right. So, yeah. so I think there's a big, big opportunity to acquire businesses and assets right now. And, and assets get overlooked a lot by existing businesses. So a lot of people you said on this podcast that are listening have existing businesses. If you yeah. think about right now, you can go and buy the media from the people who've already aggregated the eyeballs and attention of your ideal customer profile, you can acquire that at a lower cost right now than you ever could before. And in this, in this age of dependence on Facebook and Amazon and Google, I mean, there's really only a few players that own most of the media that most businesses advertise to, right? So if you can diversify yourself by acquiring other media that you own, where you get to play by your rules, then that's a huge advantage. Yeah. And it might be media that is that is that you're just gaining control of, like acquiring control of a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group, or it might be that you're acquiring a newsletter or a show or a podcast or something like that, um, where you get to then decide who is going to be approved or disapproved for ads. You can decide to exclude your competitors from the ability to advertise and you own that media a hundred percent. So I think like like acquiring media, acquiring res uh, uh, companies or assets that have teams and resources that you want. If you want to add inside sales team, if you want to add a software dev team, if you want to add, you know, anything product dev, right? That is a, a great opportunity when all of these assets are less expensive to go and acquire them and get that whole team without having to take the time to build it. If you want to add products or services to your existing offering, there's no faster way to expand other than acquisition, your, your ability to m maximize the customers that you've already got. We know an existing customer is worth about nine times what a new customer is worth. So if we can acquire 
assets or companies that have products and services that would be appealing to those customers you already got or that they're already buying, yeah. then that's an ability to multiply short-term income and profits in your long-term valuation. Uh, same thing. It's a perfect time to consolidate your uh, supply and distribution change. You should be acquiring all of your suppliers and all of your yes. distributors right now. And intellectual property. If you want to add um, you know, products that are patented or copyrighted or trademarked or uh, lists or things like that, those are available right now. In, and then last but not least, of course, you can always look at direct and indirect competitors. So I think like that kind of wheel of things that I just ran through to me is the biggest opportunity for this environment to have the biggest impact at the least outlay with the lowest risk right now. Wow. Uh, you just, <laughs> I love how you could do that. Uh, brilliant. So I think that what I hear you saying is, and one of, one of my favorite things you just said there too, was looking at uh, the current marketplace, you've got business owners who are sitting in fear. Um, they're seeing declining revenue. They're seeing a decline in profitability. Um, they're, uh, they're really, really worried and they're concerned and it may, and they've been doing this maybe for decades to yes. your point. And they're like, you know what? I think this would be a great time if I could get out and, and start to transition myself away from something like this, uh, this would be a huge burden that they could be lifted up. So there's opportunities. That's just, just one of a million different reasons why someone might be ripe to sell. But because there are lots of people, and you're so right about this, the mentality of business owners right now, uh, unfortunately, the majority of them are in fear mm -hmm. and um, they're in um, preservation and they're in like, okay, well, what's going to happen next? And when you're in the darkest hour, it's hard for you to see where the light, when the light's going to come. Correct. And so, yeah, from a, a competitor standpoint, that might be your competitor. It, from um, One of my really good friends has about an $80 million business portfolio. And he built that business portfolio by buying all of his suppliers, to your point. He just said every year he would look at one of his biggest expenses and say, which, what was my biggest expense? Look at it and see if he can buy that company. Because exactly. he's spending all their money there anyway, could he go and acquire them? So he did, and he's acquired one after another, after another of his business, biggest expenses each year and tried to acquire them. That was a really, I think, another brilliant thing because we all as business owners have expenses. We've got vendors that we rely on heavily. Well, how are they doing? Right? Yep. Um, is this the is this the right time? Yeah, and, and a and a baby level of that uh, under like if if you know if, if somebody's listening and they're like I can't buy a company, um, you know first you can that's a mindset thing, but um, but E to P is one thing we teach right expenses to profit. So if you look at all of your expenses and then say what if I converted those to profit centers? You don't necessarily have to buy like a supplier, which is an expense, but you can look at different parts of your business and say, where are the thing, what are the things that are my biggest expenses right now? And how could I convert those into profit centers? And what's magical about that is that you'll frequently find that that at least creates new entry points for different types of customers into your ultimate offering that you have. And uh, I know I was sitting at a mastermind with, uh, uh, with Tucker Max, who uh, has a company called Scribe, helps people write books and stuff. And uh, and uh, ultimately, we ended up becoming business partners on it. But um, so Tucker was saying, you know, yeah, man, this I've got I've got all these things that um, that I have as expenses. And because um, I had just talked about it and he said, he said, now I'm looking at this. He said, my uh, right. You know, all we've thought about is that we write books for people. So we want to find people that write books. And then, you know, I've got 
editors and I've got writers and I've got um, book cover designers and graphic artists. I've got a launch team. I've got a speaking team that gets some speaking. He said, I've identified 17 new entry points into my marketing funnel because I was only thinking about this one customer at this one place in their customer journey. But now I can turn each of those expenses into profit centers. And he did, which then allowed that company to have significantly higher revenues and profits and appeal to a whole lot more people, including people that already had books that were written that just didn't know how to launch them, right? And and then you get their next book, right? So it's kind of cool that on any level, don't just think, you know, if you're listening that, that it's only, it, for, this is only for people that can buy whole companies like yeah. your buddy, right? You don't have to have an $80 million portfolio to do this. And although it's a great way to build one as he did, sure. um, but you can start just looking in your existing company at your biggest expenses and say, you know, and, and in that example, one of them was payroll. Look at all the people that are on payroll people. Cause people are like, I can't turn payroll into a profit center, but you can. Because what does payroll do? Payroll allows you to employ people. What do those people have? They have skills. Can those skills be used marketably to anybody who's your ICP, right? That kind of thing gives you a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I love how you're able to do it on a small scale, no matter what size of a business you are, uh, and also at a mega scale, right? Because you're part of some huge businesses. Um, and, and it's truthfully, it's, it's what these big companies are doing right now. Amazon's in the freight business. They're in this business. They're in the, you know what I mean? Like they didn't just stay in selling books online. They Amazon's, got- that's one of my favorite examples. I, I remember um, there is a uh, Business Week magazine cover story on Jeff Bezos from, um, I think it was September of 2006. And he's on the cover and it says, Jeff Bezos, something like something to this effect, Jeff Bezos wants to um, provide your company infrastructure. Wall Street wishes he would just mind the store. And I loved it when I read it. I was like, Wall Street is freaking wrong because what he was doing at the time was revolutionary. He was like, we've got all these servers and stuff. So let's create this thing called AWS, Amazon Web Services, right? And let's, let's provide, let's outsource that as a profit center. And if you look at their 2019 annual report, the profit from AWS is greater than the combined profit of all of Amazon's other operations. Oh, wow. Right? Straight E to P play. Perfect example. Brilliant guy, right? But I also love that it says Wall Street wishes he would mind the store because I'm like, Wall Street doesn't know crap. You know? No, they don't. No, they don't because there's a different mindset altogether, right? They're they're it's not they're not approaching it the way that you are approaching other businesses and how you're approaching opportunity. Yeah, um, they have a different game. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to say they're stupid because they're 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 smart financially. Correct. But they are making financially based, usually short-term decisions. They are not entrepreneurial. And so you don't see great innovation coming from Wall Street. You see right. great innovation coming from entrepreneurs, right? And it's, it's having the ability to distinguish the difference. You always have to consider the source. And since both of us have that securities background, we can understand that there's a difference of being an entrepreneurially minded person, a business minded person, and being a finance minded person. Yes. Um, my business partner is very finance driven. And so a lot of the things I come up with from an idea perspective, he is thinking only dollars and cents. So he doesn't see it from the same perspective that I do, right. vice versa. So when he says something, I have to understand, okay, where is he coming from? So yeah. it's a good thing to do in life and in business and anything else is where's that source coming from? Exactly. 
exactly. So you you um, light up. You um, it's so cool to see you get really excited and passionate about helping people acquire businesses. Um, this challenge is absolutely. This is where I've seen everything. By the way, you've been uh, really exploded onto the scene. You've 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 predicted it that it would be a massive opportunity for people, and it has turned out to be. You've mm-hmm. helped. Uh, uh, tons of people revolutionize their lives right now because hadn't been for you and what you've been doing for them, who knows where they'd be at in this COVID, but what their COVID story would end up being. Um, what I always like to ask everybody is how do you, being somebody who is a principal of five different e-magazines, fastest growing companies, right? You got e-commerce, e-learning, SaaS, and real estate. Uh, how do you stay inspired? How do you that magic that you've got, that passion, I could, I could just like see it on your face as you're explaining this. Where does that come from? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a few things. First off, just I'm naturally curious. And so business is a fantastic laboratory to experiment with a million different things. And so I am uh, continually excited and motivated by seeing what other people are doing and by seeing, you know, what can I do if I try this thing? And then if we make this change, what happens in the beautiful thing about business and on the marketing side in particular is that as you split test, you get to see your results and you get to see, you know, here's my hypothesis and here's what I'm going to do. And now here's what it worked or didn't work. And now how can we tweak that? And how can we make it do better? So I like the creativity part of that. The other thing is um, I really enjoy, like there's, there's just, and I'm sure you get this too, right? Is when people message you or text you or, um, or get in touch with you and, and just say, I just want to let you, I just got a a thing this morning. Guy said, you know, Hey, you haven't heard from me since uh, two of your Epic challenges ago, but I'm about to buy my fifth business. And I was like, man, that's just so freaking cool, right? That, that's exciting. And, um, and so I'm happy and excited for them. And then very often that stuff comes back too, as, as well as, you know, uh, somebody that I helped a couple of times ago came back and said, you know, we're in the process of buying, of acquiring this, uh, big staffing company and we've got these guys out of New York, but it's a little bit, you know, I need some help with that. Would you be willing to come in and be part of the company? And so that's exciting and motivating too. So it's just, I just like it. Like I would, if, it didn't pay money. I would go find something else to do to be able to do this as my hobby because it's just Um, so much fun. Yeah. Well, I can tell, you know, again, your reputation perceives you of being a brilliant business mind. I've had several friends of mine have been a part of the war room, have sought you out for specific advice, have uh, been in your company when you've helped business owners, just like you just mentioned, um, have massive breakthroughs. And so um, you did not disappoint at all on my show. I'm inspired. <laughs> you absolutely brought it. I know that a lot of people um, are going to want to take take you up on this challenge. How can they, where do they go? How can they join this challenge? I think I want to join this challenge. Where do we go uh, to do that? Sure. It's uh, getepicchallenge.com. And it's it's get epic challenge because epic is for me, as you mentioned, I think earlier, uh, uh, ethical profits in crisis. The cool thing also that motivates me to, to inspiration is that business is not win lose. If it's done right, you can ethically profit. You can make money without taking advantage of anybody else, despite what Hollywood would have us all think, right? Yeah. And really help the economy the people who work at the companies that you're acquiring, the entrepreneurs who want to sell for whatever reason they want to sell. And, and by the way, a lot of those entrepreneurs stay on. And the, the model of private equity right now, as a matter of fact, is to acquire 
generally 80% of a company and have the people who founded it or who are operating it continue to be there. And yeah. the people who continue to be there, I mean, we've done this. I have, you know, I have, I have exited to private equity and still have, you know, that, that percentage, they call it a carried interest, right? So I've still got that. And those people, when the private equity company sells, you generally make more on the 20% that you kept than you did on the 80% that you exited, even though you did really well on the 80% that you exited. So yeah. everybody wins, right? You can carry the entrepreneurs you're buying businesses from today to make significantly more money. This doesn't be like they're defeated and out. It could be that they're in. And if you're, you know, if you're like me, you know, currently I have 36 companies, right? So it's five on the ink list, right? But 36 overall. Um, do that if I had to run them. I would absolutely not like to run them. I would not be as good as the people who are running them, running them. So you can do this kind of stuff and keep the people in that you're buying from and you're going to profit and they're going to profit and the employees will do better because they probably have a piece of the company. Don't, when they get to the private equity stage, they're going to get a piece then, right? And the customers win because more resources and talent comes in. It's like, it truly helps everyone. Yeah. Because of, you know, because of something like COVID, then being able to continue those companies as opposed to having several of them might not even make it the economy benefits. That's right. You're you uh, something that I I was I learned from one of my business mentors is the use of margin and yep. gaining and building margin. And he started with talking about lessons in my own life, my personal life. How much margin are you giving yourself to get ready in the morning? How much margin are you giving between meetings? How much margin are you giving to read a book, to to go to a mastermind, to um, meet with me? You know those types of things. What kind of margin? He goes. Um, if you can provide, uh, uh, create a business that creates more margin for yourself and for everybody that's part of that business, then they'll be able to do what they need to do better. And they'll have a better overall quality of life. And I, that is a, such a good point. Hollywood has distorted the vision of what a business to own a business, to sell a business, to buy a business shark tank, right? Like they try to put this as like, oh, they're going to try to like take something from you. And all reality is that uh, a tide can rise all boats. And if you've got somebody who is gifted, like you are, in the way that you approach businesses, and you can bring more margin, bring more profitability by connecting your the 35 businesses that you own together to like, hey, this is a good, this is a good resource for this. This person can help you with this. That whole thing creates more margin. It does go down to the person that just got hired. And you know what? That person that just got hired was at an awful business where they had no margin and they were running that person like a dog. And they finally found this like harbor of, of smart people running good businesses, doing good things. And their lives were changed from that. And that's exactly what you're about. You're about helping people maximize uh, their lives through businesses using change. And, yeah, uh, and I think, so I, I think the, that most entrepreneurs, you know, going back, because I really don't like the way that, that entrepreneurialism is represented in the, in the media. Um, but, but having, you mentioned Shark Tank. So, you know, having experience with uh, Barbara Corcoran and, um, and Kevin O'Leary and Kevin Harrington and Damon John, like, so four of those people that have been on that show, those people are all about, no matter what they seem like persona wise, right? 
they're very generous, giving, helpful people. They're interested in win-win. They're interested, like, and and that's what I see again and again. The people who are, you know, the the samurai live by the sword. I'm I'm you know my own individual island. And I'm going to slice and dice, and you know, greed is good, Gordon Gecko style. Yeah. Um, that that doesn't work long term. But no. the people that get to the highest levels are looking for those ethical profits, right? They're looking for how can I contribute and help but also profit at the same time. And, and so if nothing else for anybody that was listening to this to just take away, it's okay to profit. It's okay to be wildly successful. It's okay to get crazy rich, even though we're in a kind of an anti-wealth uh, mentality in, in at least America right now. It's okay because only the people who are in the position to have the resources to extend to other people are really able to help those businesses get to where they need to get. So like, it's it's really a virtuous cycle, right? Not a vicious cycle. Yeah, well said. Well, thank you so much, Roland, for being on this show. I'm yeah, definitely going to have to have you back again because I think that a lot of people are going to have some good questions that I can follow up with you on. Um, all right, so there's also, you can go to his website, rolandfraser.com. Uh, you can sign up for, he's got a great Friday. Uh, every Friday comes out with his amazing newsletter. So you can sign up for that to get started. If you want to learn more about you, I'm sure a lot of people um, know all about you already who are listening to this show. They're huge fans. So am I. Um, you are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, take care. Thanks. There you go. That concludes another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're looking for even more content, more ideas, more things that you can do today to help grow your business, then head on over to my Instagram page at Secrets of Marketers. I've got a bunch of content on there and we are giving you guys access to all the behind the scenes stuff that go into making these episodes happen, as well as even more content that you can start to apply to your business today. And if you guys like this show, then help me spread the word. Go to the podcast page on iTunes and leave me a review. It's how I can rank well and how other people can find me. So go for it. Thanks for making my dreams come true. Now go make yours come true. Thanks again.